Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. so awesome, isn't he? Amen. You feel faith rising up in your heart? He's so good. Wow. Well, I'm just so thankful that we are able to continue to meet, even in the midst of the, the further lockdowns. Um, uh, they're allowing us to be at 15%, which for us in this building is 60 people. And um, so we're able to practice easily the, the safe uh, social distancing. we got lots of room. And uh, we want you to just uh, respect that as they uh, uh, are allowing this during this time. Um, and uh, as the weather's getting better outside, we're able to, to meet outside and gather out there after following the service. And so that's not a problem as well. And uh, we're looking forward to that, enjoying it. Today is a little bit of a rainy day, but they're not all going to be like that. Well, um, I'm excited about uh, the things that God's bringing us into um, as a church. Because, you know, as an individual, you, you, you've got things that you can walk in in God. But, but Jesus came and he laid down his life for the church for a body that would be work together to accomplish his purposes. He didn't call us as individuals to individual ministries, although um, we, you know, it sometimes looks like that. But even you see a person in the forefront who is doing something, there is someone behind them doing a whole lot, okay? And uh, all the wives many times are like, amen, right? <clears throat> and uh, because there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that goes on, and that's what I love about the church, that Jesus calls all of us to play different parts and every part is vital. It's not, you know, the parts that maybe are seen. In fact, the Bible says those that parts that aren't seen, he even shows greater honor to them. And, um, and so, you know, God puts a high value on, on everyone contributing and, and doing their part. And so um, today's, uh, t- today's message, I want to just kind of, in a nutshell, um, give it like an overview of... Um, it's like called this Jesus uh, and, our, and our mission because um, we have a mission as, as big church. Um, we're not just here and existing. We have a mission. And so we narrowed it down, I, I don't know how many years ago, we kind of broke it down in a nutshell into three points because once we get past three points, how many know you don't remember, right? Three is like, for, well, for me, it's my lead. So I figured, okay, I got to remember this. Uh, then I, I needs to be three. So we narrowed it down to three. And, um, and, and the three things are experiencing Jesus, growing together, and serving others. These three things are, are what we are about. And, and so, you know, there are so many things, but 
These are our core things in our mission. There's many aspects that, that contribute to each one of these parts, but, but if, the, if you wanted to you know, break it down into what we are and why we do what we do, it's these three things. It's, we're about experiencing Jesus, we're about growing together, and we're about serving others. And so that is our mission. Now, and we don't go outside of that. Um, you know, it, it, well, I can't say we don't go outside of that, but we, we try to stay within that parameter because that's what God's given us grace to do. But there's much we can do in those three points. Amen? It's not, it's not limited. And, um, and so I want to just kind of break it down into those three, um, just so that we have an understand, understanding of what we do as a church. And um, shutting off, I didn't set it. Um, can you set it so it doesn't shut off? I'll let him do that while I'm uh, getting the first verse. So, so um, the first thing I want to see is, is like experiencing Jesus. Why Jesus? Um, well, why not? <laughs> I'll tell you why. There's one verse. It's, it's top of the charts. This is why Jesus. Let's go to Colossians. Because in Colossians, it makes it very, very clear why Jesus. And so we're going to see that here in, in uh, Colossians. It says here, the Son is the image of the invisible God. This is talking about Jesus. He is the firstborn over all creation. For in him, so this, this is in Christ. Uh, can we pull that verse up, Daniel? Or do you have it? Colossians uh, 1.15. Did you get the verses or no? Oh, okay. Uh, it should be in, in Slack under Sound and Media. The verses are all in there. All right, I'll just read it. And so it says here, um, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. So you think it's about Jesus? Absolutely. It's about Jesus. All things are created through him and for him. And it says here, um, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And I love this. It says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Amen? This is, this is why God did what he did. He did it so that he could literally present each one of us holy before him, without accusation, without blemish, holy in his sight. Amen? And so when we talk about experiencing Jesus, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. Encountering Jesus, experiencing him, 
and tasting and seeing that he is good. Psalms 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? You know, we, we had one rule with our kids when we were, they were growing up. Um, they, we ate, my wife and I eat everything. We love food, right? Um, I love it a little bit more than her, but she loves it too. We both love it. And so what's great is we all, we like the same things. And so it's great. We were just like, mmm, 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 <laughs> you know, during mealtime. But the kids, and I think the reason our kids, our kids all like everything. And I think it's because we liked it so much they thought, well, I can't miss out. He, he looks like he's really enjoying this. This has to be good. So, but one rule we always made, they would sometimes look at something and they're like, mmm. And they never, they had never tasted it before. And we're like, you can't say you don't like it until you've tasted it. And that was a rule. You have to take a bite of everything because you won't know unless you taste it. And when you taste and see the Lord, you see that he is good. Amen? He is good. He is good. You know, this weekend that Aaron was talking about that we're having uh, at the end of the month, um, it's actually, it's, it's not called refuel, it's called replenish. It's a replenish retreat. And why replenish? I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. I looked at it here on the screen because um, I looked up the definition of replenish. And I think this applies to all of us. This is what it means to replenish. To make full or complete again. As by supplying what is lacking or used up. So, how many feel like some things have been used up? I feel like there's been some lack. You know, people, you know, we, we've been feeling all of this, but you know what the Bible tells us? The Bible says in Matthew, um, I'm going to go there, Matthew uh, 11. Twenty-eight. Sorry. So in Matthew eleven, this is what it says. It says, "Come to me." This is Jesus. This is what he's saying. He's saying, "Come to me, all you." who are weary and burdened, and I will condemn you and tell you you are not doing enough. What does he say? He says, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so what we want to do is to carve out a space of time. We're looking at a Friday night and a Saturday uh, morning till the afternoon till about 3.30. We're doing it over Zoom because we can't meet in person for these types of things for a large meeting like that. So we're doing it over Zoom. And you're going to be able to take that time set aside and, and encountered Jesus, experience 
Jesus. How many can come to him who are weary and heavy laden or burdened? We all can, right? We're not so wiped out that we can't come. We all can come. And so we want to carve this time aside to be able to do that because it's about experiencing Jesus. It's not about getting all this head knowledge. It's not about just knowing about him. It's actually experiencing his power, experiencing his love, experiencing his transforming. Whatever he does, he transforms. He brings redemption. He brings healing. He brings everything that we cannot get for ourselves when we encounter him. And so this replenish retreat is about that. It's about him filling us up in areas where we are lacking. And each one of us, he's going to meet us there in those moments, in those places. And we're going to give you more information on it. But I just, I want you to know this is something that has been set aside for each one of us. And us as leaders included, even though we're leading, we go in to encounter Jesus as well. We go in pressing in for more of him. We are going in, and the Bible says when we draw near to him, he draws near to us. Amen? So we're going to make more time. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to unplug from Netflix. We're going to unplug from Amazon Prime. We're going to unplug from yard work because you know what? It'll be there next, the next weekend. We're going to unplug from a lot of different things because we're going to encounter Jesus. We're going to experience him, the one who can take burdens away, the one who can give us a yoke that is easy. Because, you know, sometimes we pick up things in life and we pick up these yokes and these things that the world gives us, and Jesus has a much better yoke, and we need to make an exchange. And what I found in these times, many times, is when we repent, because there's times when repentance comes, when God shows us things, we get rid of that, but then he replaces it with something. And we give up a yoke that was heavy, and we receive a yoke that was easy. Amen? That's what he does. That's what he does, because he is awesome. Amen? So everything we do, everything that we want to do, it's about experiencing Jesus. Whether it's small groups, whether it's our worship time, it's not about just um, having great music, but it's about it bringing people into a place where they can be focused on Jesus, where they can experience him, where they can, can draw from him. And, and it's not just about, oh, listening, oh, wasn't that a great song? No, it's about Jesus being glorified in what we do and your heart being drawn to him where you want to experience him. Amen? One thing I'm excited about in this building, we do not have to be out on a certain set time. Woohoo! That's right. I'm glad some people are excited because I'll tell you what, when, when the Spirit of God starts moving, and we had this, I had this growing up in, in when we were in our youth group, we spent hours in the altar encountering God, encountering, experiencing Jesus and his power. And it was changing. It was transforming our, our lives. And it was, it was awesome. And so we've, we now have room to be able to do that. Amen? And so, you know, leave margin. Leave margin there. I remember, you know, we, were, we would always, we, we grew up, when I was growing up, we had two services on Sunday. <laughs> so we're like, oh, you know, we would do it at 10 in the morning, <clears throat> and then we'd do it at 6 at night. And, um, 
And you know what we did for half a year? This is how hungry and desperate we were for more of God. The city we were in didn't have any churches. We were dr drying up and dying. So finally God led us to a church which was an hour and 45 minute drive. And we drove from Marilia to St. Catharines with three little kids. We would get to church for 10. Then we would do lunch out somewhere in a park, whatever, go to the malls, do whatever for the afternoon and go to church for the evening and drive home. We did that for half a year. And then I worked at five in the morning on Monday. And guess what? I lived to tell. It didn't die. All you young ones out there, you're like, oh, how'd you do it? You will live. You will live. And the Bible says that, you know, he satisfies the hungry soul with good things. And we got to, what are we hungry for? What are we hungry for? Because he'll fill us, but he'll fill us with what you're hungry for. And, and there's nothing greater than being hungry for what God can do. And getting a picture of what he can do and, 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 and experiencing him. And that's what we, we wanted to experience him. We wanted more of him. And so we, we pressed in for that. And so whatever it is that you're doing, it's, it's Jesus. What are you doing in this? I want to experience you. Whether it's our, our small group, it, that we're encountering him, we're experiencing him in that time. We're experiencing him in all these different things. Because that's what it's about. And then it goes right into the next thing, is growing together. We're called to grow together. Amen? I'm so thankful for the body. Because there are so many times when, when we've been in different situations where we have lacked as a person. And God has supplied another person in the family of God who was strong in that area, who came in and psh, lifted in that area. Or who filled a gap in that area. Or who brought something that we didn't have in and, and this is what makes us rich as a family, as, as the body of Christ, is together we grow. We grow. You cannot not grow when you're together. When you are isolated and on your own, you, you become stagnant. You become vulnerable. You become prey for the enemy. You are that little lost sheep that's over here. Bah, bah, bah. And the wolf is just ready to come get you. But if you're in a big clump of fat sheep and you're all together, you know, that wolf, he can't get you. It's, it's a lot harder when you're in that gathered together. You know, if you take a stick, I would, would have been good to use this illustration. But take one match, it's easy to, to break. But if I take a whole cluster of matches and bind them together, and then you try to break it, you can't. Impossible. And that's what we are together. We are stronger together, and it's what causes us to grow together. And we've got some scriptures to back this up, but I'll just do a couple. There's lots of them. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. This is what it says in, um, in Hebrews. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he is faithful, or he who promised 
is faithful. Amen? Aren't you glad it's not dependent on us and it's not dependent on the people around you? Many times you're looking at it, you're thinking, God, I don't know, I don't think this is going to happen with the group that I see in front of me. And you know what? You think Jesus said that with his disciples? I think he did when he looked at the natural, but he saw their potential. But in the natural, they were, they were, they were um, uh, betraying him as soon as it, in his darkest hour. They couldn't stay up and pray. They scattered as soon as the persecution came. But, but Jesus saw beyond that. Amen? And he sees that in each one of us. So he says here, so we've got to hold to the hope that we profess for he who promised is faithful. The promise that God made, he is faithful to fulfill it. And then it says, and let us consider. So let us consider this. This is the growing together part. Because it's not about you and me. And this is the part that a lot of times I hear with people. You know, oh, I don't want to go to home group. Oh, you know, I, I, you know it, it, it's not convenient for me. It's not, it doesn't work for me. Me, me, me. It's like you're not considering others. You're not considering, you bring a strength to the table that maybe someone in that group needs. And maybe someone in that group brings a strength to the table that you need, that you don't even know. So it says here, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward good deeds, toward love and good deeds. You know what spurs are for, right? With your horseback riding? You go like that, it gives a little right? And that horse goes and there's sometimes we need that little spur. You need it from, from someone else. We sometimes get dull and we get just kind of, you know, and you just kind of, today was a hard day. And, you know, you need someone in there to come in with some love and, and kind of spur you on with love and good, good works. And, and we need that around us. We need that with one another. It says not giving up meeting together. And everyone like, oh, that's just Sunday. No, it's more than just Sunday. It's doing life together. It's not about this program. Well, we got the program, and on Wednesday we do Bible study, and on Thursdays we do prayer, and on, you know, it's not about a program. It's about doing life. And doing life, yes, there are things you can segment in and you make time for it, but it's about meeting even at other times and encouraging one another. And, 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 and the purpose is that we're meeting to spur one another on to love and good deeds. Because when we get isolated on our own, you get wonky and you get weird. You just get weird. And you get in your own little world and you make up all these concoctions and thinkings and everything else. And, and it's, we need others around us to keep us safe. We need others around us to challenge certain thinkings. And, and, and the Bible says there's safety in the multitude of counselors. We weren't created to just be out there on our own. We need those other voices around us. We need that, that uh, protection. God designed it that way, that parts of the body, they all contribute together. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. 
and all the more as you see the day approaching. Amen? So we are all the more in a place where we need to be meeting. More than ever. Because the day, we are closer to the day than anyone. And so, so we've got to look at growing together. And how do we do this? Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians, because this is another challenge many times why we don't grow together. We have preferences. And this has been throughout the ages. Um, people have preferences. And Paul had this in his day. <clears throat> He says here, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. He says, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, indeed, you still are not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are, are you not mere human beings? After all, what after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. But only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. And they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field. You are God's building. And so Paul brings perspective here. And he's saying here, guys, like, when you're, when you're going with this with preferences, and we do this all the time. We do this, and it, it happens even with, with pastoring. You know, right now, we're, we're not even growing together just as a body. We as a church are growing together with the churches of our city. Amen. We do not tolerate putting other bodies down and putting down because of Whatever preferences, oh, I prefer this, and oh, they don't do this, and oh, they do this. And, oh. It's like as if you're a perfect one when you talk that way. And no one has the whole picture. No one. God geniusly designed it. And not one individual is the God police where they're like, I've studied and I know and in my brain this theology is incorrect and blah, 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 and they spew all their wonderful knowledge and it's like, well, I'll correct this and I'll correct this and I'll correct this. No, what you need to do is bring life that Jesus gave through you and do what you're called to do. We're not called to criticize the body of Christ. How does it get corrected? Through the word and pointing to Jesus and saying, this is where life comes from. And always bringing life in the midst of it. Spurring one another in love and good deeds. Always. So Paul is saying here, look, 
Don't look at one individual's this. And, one, and, I, and I'm continually mindful of that when I'm working with the churches and working with other pastors. Is, is one has one thing, one has another. We all have a part, but, but God has this whole thing put together, and he's the one that causes things to grow. And it's respecting and honoring one another. And we need to do that in the body. We need to do that in the church family. There's sometimes people, it's like, I don't receive the easiest from certain people. They're not my flavor. But I'll receive from them. If they bring the truth and they're ministering something that's life-giving from God, I can receive. We, we, we're in a family. There's sibling rivalry in families. You know, sometimes it's just like, you bug me, thump. You know, and then it's done. Okay, move on. You're still family. You go forward. You have moments. Things happen, but we can grow together. We don't need to chop one another off. We don't need to talk about parts of the body as if they don't matter anymore. and They don't matter and chop and, and just be so... We're chopping parts of the body of Jesus off when we do that. When Jesus came to Paul and knocked him off his horse when he was Saul, before he, he got his life turned over, he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul had never seen Jesus. Jesus had already adios. Well, at that time, he hadn't seen Jesus. He had encountered him after that. But he had never seen Jesus. But Jesus, when he was persecuting his body, he took it personal, and he said, you're persecuting me. So every time we put down any part of the body, we disqualify it, we chop it off, we're doing it to Jesus. We're doing it to the head. I remember one time we were going through a hard time with the church. And um, I was on my rant with God, telling him all the things that were wrong. And, and he, he stopped me and he said, watch it. He says, that's my church you're talking about. I've crossed the line. And we have to guard that. Because we will not grow together if we don't. So it's about growing together, making room so that each of us can do our part. Because the Bible says, I love this, the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. And they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. I have a certain part that I have to play. I cannot want something for you more than you want it. What God has for you, you have to want that. I can't want that for you and do what you're supposed to do. And many times in North America, a lot of people want the pastor to do a lot of things. And it's like, it's almost like they want that, them to want that for them and, and get that for them. It's like, no, they lead you, but you have to do what you're called to do. God will reward you according to what you have done. Amen. It has to cost each one of us. And the part that we play is vital. So how are you connected? How are you connected? How are you growing together? Because it's very important. Who am I connected with? Who am I growing with? How am I, how am I doing this? Because each one of us, we have to, we have to guard that because it, it's so easy to just isolate. 
We're a culture that's very independent. It's just easy to do. But God calls us together. And then the last thing is serving others. And it's all about serving others. I love this about the scriptures. It's kind of interesting. If you, if you look at John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For, for the Son of Man did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through himself. But let's go to 1 John 3.16, because it takes it a step further. And uh, this isn't one of those, ooh, you know, it's, we used to call them heavy revs back in the day. If it's a rev, this made, wow, awesome revelation, ooh, that was a heavy revy. Let's make a bumper sticker out of that one, right? <clears throat> it says here, in verse, uh, oh, I'm at First Corinthians. I guess it would help if I went to First John. So, um, this is what it says in First John three sixteen. This is how we know that we love. What what love is? Jesus Christ laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Amen? God demonstrates his love. He doesn't just talk about his love. He demonstrates his love. And he wants his church to demonstrate Amen? So it's about others. And in John 13, when Jesus left the earth, before he took the Passover meal, the, 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 the very last meal he was going to have, um, in John, if we can go there, 13, start at 12. So it says, this is what he did. Before he partook of the meal, this was a very, very important thing that he was doing. He was leaving a last mark, a last um, uh, uh, illustrated sermon, if you want to call it. But it was something that was very, very important. How many know in your last moments with someone, you're not going to be like, make sure you brush your teeth, make sure you go to bed on time, make sure you... Come on. It's going to be something that's like, from the heart that means something and that is going to have lasting impact in your life and this is what he does so it says when he had finished washing their feet he put on his clothes and he returned to his place and he says do you understand what i've done for you he asked them he says you call me teacher and lord and rightly so for that is what i am now that i your lord and teacher have washed your feet you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now, it was in the culture. You have to look at the context of the culture. In the culture of that day, washing the feet was the, was the job of a servant. It was a job, it was a lowly position. It was if you 
you know, it was just one of those jobs that no one wanted to do. And Jesus took that lowly position and he said, this is what you need to do. You need to be willing to be a servant leader. Because I'm a servant leader. He says here, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. That's what I love about Jesus. He wasn't about talk. He was about demonstration. He says, very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master. So in other words, when we put ourselves and elevate ourselves and we say, eh, not doing this, eh, not doing, you're putting yourself above your master. Well, I don't prefer this, I don't prefer that. He didn't ask you if you preferred it. Your master did things he didn't want to do. We can't be greater than our master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And this is what he says. This is how he wraps it up. He says, now that you know these things, he says, you will be blessed if, conditional promise, if you do these things. If you do them. So if you don't put it into practice, you're not going to get the benefit of it. A lot of people are like, oh, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? You're not living it out. You think about it in your head. You have concepts. You have theories. And you're living this little world of... And, and culturally, the problem that we have, you can live, literally have a virtual life. Your Facebook friends. And, and, and you have this... Oh, well, I reached out to all these people, you know, and it's all virtual. And it's almost like it's a false reality. When it comes down to the real world, where the rubber hits the road, they're not going to be there when you have to move your house. They're not going to be there when, you know, there's certain things. It's like you're living in this virtual bubble. And it's like, this is where we have to have ones with skin on. We've got to, like, be there and, and live it out where it's in demonstration with one another. Husbands and wives, we get to put this in practice all the time. Come on. And Luke's, Luke's with both hands up. I surrender. <laughs> We're all there. We're all there, especially with COVID <laughs> and lockdowns. <laughs> There can be too much of a good thing. <laughs> and it kind of stirs things up. But you know what? In the midst of it, God has called us to serve one another, to take the humble position and to serve. And that, it's about serving others. It's about always looking beyond. You know, I, I love the account of William Booth back in uh, the day when the Salvation Army movement was rising up in England. He came in the time. How many of you have seen the movie? Um, uh, it's an oldie. My, my Fair Lady. Where, um, yes, we have Nathan. And he has the accent to go with it, right? But, um, you know, she was taken off the streets in England in this play. And if you've watched the movie, 
William Booth came in that time, like Oliver, the movie Oliver, that whole era, that whole time was when William Booth came on the scenes and started preaching the gospel on the streets, started winning people for the sacred Christ and, and they're seeing their lives change. But then he mobilized a movement and it started with a prayer movement and it, he called it the Salvation Army because he wanted them to be militant, not passive. So they had knee drills. The knee drills were, were prayer. And he had, everything had lingo of, of, of military terms, but he mobilized the people and he, and he got them where they came out of their, their selves, they got transformed, and then they began to serve. And they began to serve in the, in the, in the culture of that day. And he raised up, uh, you know, t tons of schools, educated the poor. He was the one that got hospitals going where he got, because it used to be individual doctors and, and, their, and their, their work where they would do it individually in clinics. He put these all together and he made these hospitals. That's where this came from. And he mobilized all of those types of things. And he got people going where they started thinking about others. They, they were transformed, they were changed, and then they served others. And one time he went to this conference and it was all these, these big leaders and these um, uh, uh, big uh, movers and shakers in the religious uh, uh, era of that time, and it was this big conference, and he was one of the main speakers, and he was going to come there, and then he couldn't get there for whatever reason. Anyway, he had someone come, and they had one little placard with one word on it, and he told them, go up to the podium and say this, that's my message. And so he got up there, there's all these people, and they're all, what's William Booth going to say? Because at that day and age, William Booth was doing the gospel and seeing transformation and change. I believe his funeral, he had 40,000, the queen came to his funeral. It shook, he shook his nation at his, his time. And he went up to the, the, the podium and the person read, others. Walked away. Others. And it's about serving others. Freely we have received, freely we give. That is the, the, the way that God created this thing. If we want to become a fresh spring, we have to be that that has inflow and outflow. I don't want to be the Dead Sea that has no outflow and becomes this stagnant body of water. I want to be one that has inflow and outflow. Amen? It's about serving others. And I want to close with this. This is Jesus' picture of the church in Ephesians 1. And if you want to pray a prayer over the church, this is a great prayer to pray over the church. In fact, one of our prayer nights, we're going to pray this over the church. Um, there's nothing better than praying scripture. It's the perfect prayer. And in Ephesians 1, verse 15, Paul is praying here. He says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, 
may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Amen? Do you know that I need the spirit of wisdom and revelation to even know Jesus? Because it becomes just a mental thing that I just, I can dismiss. But when I encounter him with the spirit of wisdom and revelation, once that is revealed and I see who he is, that's unstoppable, people. This is what we need. And it says here, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same, is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Amen? So that same power that works toward us is not like a lower voltage. Andrew's an electrician, my youngest son's an electrician. He works with different voltages of power. You know, some, you know, gives you a little zap. And then there's some, it'll like fry your hair off and like melt you. But Jesus is telling us here, Paul is saying here, this power that works towards you is the same power that raised him from the dead. It's not a lower voltage. And it says here, his incomparable great power for us who what? Let's say it together. Oh, wait, we're not there. Um, the verse is, I'm and I'll, oh you know what sorry guys, I I apologize. Okay, we got we're in LT now. I was NIV. <clears throat> I wasn't preaching heresy. It's a different translation, right? It says here, and it says here, that same mighty power. Okay, I, verse 19. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the condition. I have to dare to believe. I have to dare to believe. Because the Bible says, without faith it's impossible to believe God. For, for one must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See, God comes to us, and he's not looking for our approval. God lives for his own glory. He exists for his own glory. He's not looking for validation from me or you. He exists for his own glory. And he says here, if you, if you dare to believe who I am, that power works toward you. Boom. Faith ignites it and it's that's why it's so important the attack is on your faith guys it's on your faith we can just reduce you my my, my grandson we were talking doing the easter story over uh, at easter before they got their presents they had to sit down we had to do the resurrection eggs my wife has this whole carton of eggs and you open up each egg and one's got 
it's all these different stages of the cross. You open them out, and they love it, right? But uh, they wanted to open their present. So the, Judah's like, well, when? It's like, when we're done. And so then when, when the last egg, when, you know, it, it was an empty egg. That's the last one. And yet he rose from the dead. That's impossible. <laughs> That's impossible. <laughs> Why? Because in his mind, he had not seen it before. He's living in that hole. So we had to, you know, explain to him, look, God can do anything. Just because you haven't seen it, he's doing it. And, you know, when so, a lot of times we get in this rut of, of we, everything's predictable around us. And we live in this where we're just, we're reduced to what is around us. And it's like God's like, I want to pull you out of that and show you that, that you can live in a realm where anything is possible if you just dare to believe me. If you dare to look at what I can do. It takes faith. But it says that, that my power works towards you who believe. And it's the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. It says, verse 21, now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. So you think it's hokey pokey now? He has got authority over the hokey pokiness in the future. It doesn't matter how weird and wonky and whacked out it can get. Doesn't matter. I'm not under that. I'm under his authority. That's who I'm under. And this is what he says. God has put all things, verse 22, under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. How important is the church? Pretty important. Well, I don't think it is because it doesn't do this, doesn't do Well, guess what? You haven't seen the church's full potential yet. The church hasn't seen the church's full potential yet. We haven't seen it yet. But Christ, the head, when we hook into the head, we start listening to what he's saying, and we get signals going to the body, and it gets those parts moving again. We are no longer paralyzed. We're no longer sitting around wondering. We are listening. We're following the head, and boom, boom. Things come to life, and that body starts moving. And all authority and all power is for the benefit of the church. There are things that can change. Just by dealing with it spiritually that can knock something out. You knock the, 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 the spiritual. You know, um, I can't remember who said it. But he, 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 it was a common saying he said. I think it was Winston Churchill. He said you have to win the battle in the air before you win it on the ground. And many times the Bible says our battle is not against flesh and blood. But against powers and principalities in the heavenly places. That person is not your problem. There are forces of darkness working and doing their thing. And we got to know, okay, I'm, I resist you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. I command your powers to, to be powerless and void. And you bind them up, whatever you want to do, I don't know. Tie them up with, bind them up and don't be nice to them. can be mean to the devil. You can hate the devil. 
That's our, my, I'm in total agreement with the devil. He hates me and I hate him. 100% agreement. And you know what? That's another problem in the church. We don't hate what Jesus hates. We kind of like some things that he hates. Gossip. We're like, oh, you know, we get on about these other sins, you know. And and in God's eyes, they're all black. You know, you can look at old drinking and smoking and drugs and all this. Well, gossip's just as bad. Division. Stirring dissension. God hates that. It's on one of the top of his hate lists on, uh, in Proverbs. It made the podium. Stirring dissension. Ooh. He, there are things that God has, he hates them for a reason, because they tear down and they destroy. God is redemptive in his nature, and everything he is about is redeeming our lives, bringing something to us that is good. And some things are hard that he brings, but if we just follow after him, it will be life-giving. The payback is always life-giving. And he does it for the benefit of the church. And I love this last verse. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Amen. That's why it's about him. It's about him. If I can have the worship team up. It's about Jesus. It's about lifting him up wherever we are. It's about, it's not even about getting people to come to our church. It's about getting people to experience Jesus. The other's a byproduct. You know, we've got people we've led to the Lord just recently. Someone um, in the youth came to the Lord. And, and there's ones in the youth that are with them. But, but this, this girl is going to another church that also preaches the gospel. She's going to the youth group and growing there, but I'm just glad she's growing and in a body and, and continuing to hear about Jesus and being discipled and growing. That's what it's about. It's about Jesus in the forefront. It's about building his kingdom, and he uses all parts of his body. Amen? And this is what I love about him. It's about serving others. And how can we do that? And there's so many different ways that we do that. But I want us to, we're going to, um, I want us to, we're going to sing this song again, Anything Can Happen. But I, what I want us to do is I want us to start seeing a picture of what God can do in every area. Okay, some of us, it's family. I know I've got a pressing thing with my family um, that I'm, I'm believing for. That I know it, God has to do something. There's things you cannot do in yourself. It, it, only God can change a heart. Only God. And he is able to by his power. And there's situations that we're encountering in the city. There's things that I'm looking at in the city that I'm aware of. And we're praying over as pastors for this city. And... Everywhere you look, there can be things that you're looking at. You're thinking, God, how, how, how?
but he says anything can happen. All things are possible to those who believe. When he, when he, when he used the example of the widow who petitioned the unjust judge and said, avenge me of my adversaries, and he was, a unjust, he was a judge that didn't even fear God and didn't care, but this woman just kept saying, avenge me of my adversary, avenge me of my adversary. It's a proverb Jesus told us. And, and so finally he says, because this woman's not going to be quiet and won't stop bugging me, I'm just giving it, I'm just doing it. And he said, how much more will the Son of Man, will he see this kind of faith in the earth in the last days? And this is the faith we need. We need a tenacious, unrelenting faith that says, God, you can do it again. I, 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 I dare to believe that you can do it again. And that there are things, well, people... They're getting so smart now, right, in the information age. But, you know, and they've concluded God's dead. Well, it's not up to you to decide whether God's dead or not or whatever you conclude about God. God is who he is outside of you and me. He is who he is. And I come to him on his terms. And I come in the fear of him, honoring him and respecting him and believing who he is because of who he is. How he unfolds all of that, he's big enough to do it for each one of us. But the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, to honor and respect him for who he is. And when we do, we step into the realm of impossible where we can do the impossible. All things are possible. We step into the realm of possibility. We step into the realm of easy. The world says, oh, this is hard. Jesus says, no, easy. Easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.